0: On the premiere episode of Cinema Smorgasbord presents We do our own stunts We go all the way back to 1971 Where a 17 year old Jackie Chan stars in a film For the very first time And then it sits on the shelf for a couple years It's the Cub Tiger from Quang Tong So let's go Welcome to We Do Our Own Stunts, a podcast about the life and work of martial arts superstar Jackie Chan. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me, as always, is the world's deadliest man, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam?
1: Ah!
0: Please do not do whatever you're doing
1: right now. (laughs) I just was getting hyped. I was feeling my chi. I was uh, uh, orienting my chakras. And I was getting. You don't say ready orient to...
0: anymore. That's uh, that's something from the 1950s. It's Very <laughs> oh,
1: Jesus. I was aligning my chakras, <laughs> and I was getting ready to throw my kamehameha. I'm just stoked to do the to do the podcast, Doug. I'm stoked on talking about Jackie Chan.
0: Liam, we are going to do a podcast about martial arts superstar Jackie Chan, a beloved figure who has nothing controversial that you can possibly <laughs> mention about him. Uh, it's funny. Uh, For those who know about the evolution of this new cinema smorgasbord project of ours, Liam, originally we were just going to follow up our Eric Roberts-themed podcast with a Jackie Chan-themed
1: podcast. That was the plan, Doug, but um, as it turns out, Mm -hmm. uh, Jackie Chan... Is the it's world's little... biggest monster. He's a little controversial. He's a little controversial <laughs> right now. It, he was already, you know, we started doing our our research on him, and it was like, okay, there's a couple of things here that are hard. I, but if we address them, if we're honest about them, sure. whatever. And then it finally got to the point where um, he was. Being super critical of the Hong Kong protests, sure. and there were big movements across social media of people being like against him. And I just thought, I still want to talk about his work because I really like a lot of his films, but maybe we don't want to make him the 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 uh, flag we fly for the entire project.
0: <laughs> uh, and I like that you brought up, Liam, that we're gonna be very honest about our feelings on those sort of things. That said, Modern day 2019 Jackie Chan is not what this is. Uh, this podcast is necessarily about. We're going back to the beginning, uh, and by the beginning, we're actually talking about well into Jackie Chan's career, uh, but we'll go into the history of that in just a second. But I think the big question that everyone's wondering, people have been stopping me in the streets and asking me, why would you want to do a Jackie Chan podcast? Liam O'Donnell, what's so interesting about jackie chan that he deserves a podcast about his life and let me stress this also his work we're not just going to cover the films we're covering everything he is a recording artist lots of albums there's of course cartoon series video games we're going to talk about all of it liam why jackie chan
1: well i think there's two aspects of that one is what you just sort of mentioned right he's such an interesting figure whose cinema work has impacted people across the world i mean at one point was one of the biggest movie stars in the world uh whose films made money internationally more than than anything else but i also think because he is such a weird character and has done so many interesting artistic projects there's a lot there to discuss and a lot to explore but on a personal level I, you know jackie chan other than the the you know, there's the cliche of the Saturday morning kung fu, whatever that that was always a thing for me. And, and I definitely watched some of that Sunday afternoon, Saturday morning cinema stuff. But what got me back uh, as an older kid into martial arts was Jackie Chan going to the theater to see Rumble, the release, the American release Absolutely. of Rumble in the Bronx was a cultural moment. And it was a moment where not just people who were already super nerds like me were reminded about how much they cared about this kind of movie, but people who were unfamiliar largely with uh, Hong Kong cinema and martial arts cinema suddenly were interested in it It was a way in and it coincided with what was going on with Wu Tang and the 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 marriage or, or sort of I wouldn't even say marriage because it they really just pointed something that was already true which is that sure. urban communities liked martial arts period. Yep. And so they they brought that out into their music at the time when Jackie Chan movies were starting to become available for us. And I spent a lot of the late 90s, early 2000s trying to find every Jackie Chan thing I could. And then Mm -hmm. after Jackie Chan, it became every other martial arts thing I could. And so um, that first step was so important to me that. I think it's great to go back and see a lot of things that maybe I missed or revisit things that were really important to me back in the day and really just show appreciation for the work of someone who I think impacted a lot of uh, cinema lovers.
0: I also like the idea that we're doing this in a roughly chronological order so we can see the evolution of both him uh, as a performer but also the fact that once you hit uh, Snake and Eagle Shadow and Drunken Master, he's going to become one of the biggest celebrities In all of China and in really in the entire world And throughout the 1980s he is an international superstar But like you said in terms of breaking through in the US If you were not there for the moment that Rumble in the Bronx came out it was kind of this huge moment That movie was a massive success It was this large release But the whole point of it was We need to get Jackie Chan over We need to make him a celebrity And it worked And it's funny because if you go back and watch Rumble in the Bronx It's a pretty flawed movie It's a really goofy movie And it certainly isn't one of Jackie Chan's best But in terms of showcasing him as a performer You got this guy I mean I think he was already in his 40s at that point um, At the very least he was, he was around that, that age this is a guy who was, who's already been a celebrity for years and years and years that the average American or average Canadian really almost had no idea who he was outside of maybe the Cannonball Run movies.
1: Yeah, I, I think there was a failed attempt, right, around Cannonball Run and what was that? The Protector. The protector. To, Danny Aiello, and, rest in peace. Yeah, and he didn't break then. And I think he might have given up, honestly, on an American audience at that point. Um, and I don't. I wish I knew more about how the Rumble in the Bronx thing happened. I guess we'll cover it on this yeah, very we will. show. Uh, but, yeah, it was very important to me and to, honestly, all of my friends. Uh, and and we were primed for it, partly, and I just got to say this. This seems weird to talk about on a Jack and Champ podcast, but I just sure. think historically it's worth mentioning, the Mortal Kombat movie. That the idea that there were newer martial arts films was partly because of the Mortal Kombat movie that we went to a midnight screening of that and we're like whoa wow cool and then when you saw Rumble in the Bronx it was like Oh, that movie was trash and this is good. <laughs> but you know what I mean you needed that introduction the same way that like how many people got into music from some bad example and then slowly got to s- find the real thing sure that's that's how it happened with us and again, not that we weren't watching the set but you know a really beat up beat up copy of a uh, you know low budget, uh, Shaw Brothers ripoff on UHF with commercials and a terrible dub is not the same thing as seeing something that was kind of like new and fresh and kind of like it felt very now instead of the path.
0: It certainly I mean it opened up that that door as well to the fact that, that we could see a wide release of Drunken Master 2 as Legend of the Drunken Master. I remember seeing that in the theater and already nope. having seen Drunken Master 2 but thinking wow like this is this is an example of how good it can be Yep. Uh, even You know, even if it's a dubbed version and and, uh, and all that, but be that just the ability that we could see that. And then, of course, leading into Yun Woo-Ping being involved with The Matrix and that opening up to uh, our, our kind of all the excitement around the choreography that led to Crash and Dark Hidden Dragon. It's kind of amazing to think of how that evolution happened and the fact that it really you can kind of pinpoint it both from that uh, the release of Rumble in the Bronx and the interest in hip hop community in martial arts movies. And the fact that that was all being celebrated at that one time.
1: Yeah. I think it, It there was just this, you know, and I'm sure, again, I'm sure that, uh, our other podcasts where we talk about the, we've talked about the Fantasia film festival. Sure. I'm sure festivals like that were a part of it. There was all this groundswell around an appreciation of classic, but also, at that time modern asian cinema and especially hong kong and you know jackie chan being a part of that so
0: so before we take our first break and lead into our discussion on cub tiger from quaintong uh i wanted to do a little quick just a brief history on jackie chan himself we won't have to do this every episode since we're kind of uh giving uh the clip notes version leading up to the point where he made his first uh starring role film here so Chan Kong Sang, later to be known as Jackie Chan, was born on April seventh, 1954, to Charles and Lily Li Chan, Chinese Civil War refugees who worked for the French ambassador in Hong Kong. He was a rambunctious student, and Jackie failed his first year of primary school and was later sent to the China Drama Academy, which was a Peking Opera school. And in 1960, after his father immigrated to Australia to work as a cook in the American Embassy, he was basically uh, had to stay at the Peking Opera School full time. So. Anyone who's familiar with Peking Opera Schools They know that they're very brutal I'd recommend that you check out the 1988 film Painted Faces by Alex Law Which stars Sammo Hung as the uh, trainer at one of these schools And of course Sammo was a classmate Of uh, Jackie Chan's at the school Uh, Actually just uh, last year Jackie Chan released a, uh, uh, a, a Kind of autobiography a very honest one in a lot of ways that goes into a lot of detail into uh, in regards to his time at the uh, Peking opera school so the, the top students at this school were known as the seven little fortunes though there was actually more than seven and they did kind of get rotated in and out and the china drama academy had a, like a real murderer's row of students including jackie chan of course Sammo hung yun Bao, uh Yoon and Yoon Wah, and all of them would end up becoming performers and directors and choreographers, some of the best that ever came out of Hong Kong. So it's kind of amazing that they were all there together. Uh, actually, the first, and, and to my knowledge, only filmed appearance of The Seven Little Fortunes was on an episode, I don't know if you know this, Liam, an episode of the sitcom, uh, or I guess maybe not, sitcom's not the right word, The the uh, the comedy... Action drama show I Spy With Robert Culp and Bill Cosby
1: I did not know that
0: So there is a scene In one of the episodes of that show Where Bill Cosby and Robert Culp are watching A um they're supposed to be in China, and they're watching a parade go by, and the Seven Little Fortunes are performing in that parade. I actually clipped out a, a clip from that episode, and I put it on YouTube, like, because to my knowledge, that's the only – and it's hard to even tell like who these people are supposed to be, Like if Jackie Chan is there, because they're just little kids, right? But in terms of uh, getting a sense of what a performance would look like, that's, uh, that's really the only footage that's available.
1: That's really interesting. I uh, you know, I knew that they um, existed, but I wasn't really aware of that connection.
0: Well, I'll link that uh, video in uh, the show notes. So if you were a member of the Seven Little Fortunes, you were kind of considered the elite at one of these schools, and they would cr- travel around the country, and they'd show off their acrobatic and performative talents in theaters. Uh, and the Academy would occasionally loan out the students to film studios as extras, which means that Jackie's actual first film appearance, as far as we know, was in a film called... Big and Little Wong Tin Bar from the year 1962, which, uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Liam, though we probably could have started with that, because that's a film that's actually available, we really wanted to to start with uh, Jackie Chan's first adult film role. He also appears uh, briefly in King Hu's legendary Come Drink With Me and A Touch of Zen. It, it I uh, mentioned just recently on social media, it's like that Jackie Chan had like, an, like a Forrest Gump experience <laughs> through the early days of, of uh, mainstream martial arts cinema uh, because he was in these Shaw Brothers uh, movies and then he went on to work as a stuntman um, for uh, Golden Harvest. And so he appeared in the Bruce Lee films Fist of Fury, and Enter the Dragon. Um, and so you can actually, if you watch Enter the Dragon, there's a part where you can see Bruce Lee punching uh, Jackie Chan in the face, and I believe that the big stunt at the end of Fist of Fury, where uh, the the character goes flying through the air, is actually Jackie Chan in that case as well. Though so you always wonder if some of these stories are apocryphal, where it's just like you know, it seems like everyone has a story about running into Bruce Lee and having a very unique experience.
1: I have yeah. nothing to add. I'm sorry. <laughs> All I was going to say is, weirdly, I don't. But... <laughs>
0: so you have this guy who's gone through this brutal experience. Through uh, through the Peking Opera School Who had been performing uh, in films Since he was a little kid And then he was a, uh, a Fairly experienced stuntman In the early 1970s So in the midst of that, of course He's trying to break out He's trying to look for something Where he can showcase what he can do And in 1971 Jackie, uh, he recently left the academy uh, To find his way in the world He's, uh, as we said before, 17 year o- years old And he gets an offer to star... In this low budget martial arts movie Now um, I want to make this clear before we go into our first break And we start talking about the movie The early days of Jackie Chan's career are kind of messy There's lots of different titles for these movies There's re-edits And there's cons And uh, just like with uh, after Bruce Lee's death There's actually imitators of Jackie Chan That we'll get to later on as well Uh, and especially when it comes to the movies that happened before Snake and the Eagle's Shadow and Drunken Master. So we're going to maneuver this through this the best we can. We're far from experts in terms of 1970s Hong Kong filmmaking or Jackie Chan. So throughout this podcast, we're definitely going to make errors. If you do have any feedback, you want to make any corrections, please let us know at WDOOS. We do our own stunts at cinemasmorgasbord.com and we'll try to correct along the way. Uh, and, uh, as we said before, this is not just a podcast about the films of Jackie Chan. We're going to look at his 12 albums, the documentaries, and the books about his life, and any other sort of ephemera that we encounter along the way. Liam, when you hear all that, when you hear about the daunting task ahead of us, does this make you excited or nervous?
1: Uh, the only part that makes me nervous is the albums, because... I just don't think there's going to be a single moment I enjoy on any <laughs> any one of those things. That's just not for me. Uh but all the other stuff I'm excited because there could be something I really love, you know, especially uh the books about his life just seem like an interesting place to I mean I know a lot of it will be hagiography, it'll be fictionalized, it'll be legend making instead sure. of actual stories. But I'm still curious, and I'm still stoked on it. I just know, though, I'm going to be rough on those albums, buddy. There's no way he's getting a <laughs> thumbs up from me.
0: Usually on the show, we do our own stunts. So we're going to cover one film a episode. This is kind of a unique one to start with because Cup Tiger from Kwang Tung is actually known under, as I mentioned, a lot of different titles, but it's probably best known on the West under the title Master with Cracked Fingers. However, Master with Cracked Fingers is actually a re-edited version of the film pieced together after Jackie found Worldwide Success, and it uses less than half the footage from the original film. It actually has a lot of newly filmed footage that has been entered into it, and we wanted to really talk about that separate from Cub Tiger from Quang Tung. But let's start with uh, A Bang, we're going to look at both versions of the film, starting with 1973's Cub Tiger from Quang Tung, again originally filmed in 1971, and then we'll take a break and talk about 1979's *The Master with Cracked Fingers. Yeah, it's confusing. But it's going to be exciting. Let's take a break and then we'll get started.
1: the friend i the the the
0: So Most of the online summaries of this movie are way off but uh, So I wrote up this one myself So Jackie plays uh, Shaohu, a young waiter Trained in martial arts by his uncle After his father is murdered by gangsters When the gangsters' men start attacking people at his restaurant Shaohu gets into some fights Against his uncle's wishes And after stopping an attempted rape The mob boss threatens, him, uh, threatens sorry, his uncle directly And they end up moving away Things end up coming to a head at a dock where uh, he's gotten a job, and his uncle finally allows him to fight against the top gangster, who was actually the person who also murdered his father, as well as all of the gangster's underlings. And that is Cub Tiger from Quang Tung, also known as Little Tiger of Canton. Uh, Snake Fist Fighter, Marvelous Fist, Ten Fingers of Death And in the re-edited form, which we'll talk about in a little bit Master with Cracked Fingers This was directed by Chu Mu, who was a prolific actor Who turned to directing in the late 1960s And written by Sun Liu And stars Jackie Chan The uh, other recognizable face in the uh, movie is Feng Tian As Jackie's adopted uh, foster father or uncle in this movie uh, and uh, but for the most part this this is not does not have a lot of the recognizable faces that you would see kind of consistently in say Shaw Brothers or Golden Harvest movies. This was an independent production and it looks it. So Liam, the first thing I think we should talk about is the fact that uh, this movie in the only form that's available to watch as far as I know, is pretty difficult to watch by no, I don't mean in terms of availability but in terms of quality. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: yeah I mean so it's uh, the actual film quality like the image you're seeing is not great it's faded out but also it has some very classic subtitles and the edit that we watched not only do you have the The problem with these subtitles, that was always a problem, is that it's white on white a lot of times and it's hard Mm -hmm. to read, but they also get cut off at the bottom of the screen. And so there are times when you couldn't read it if you wanted to. Now, we watched a version where someone added in subtitles over top for the ones that were cut out. But because the film is so faded and the white on white is really just a blasted out yellow the only subtitles I really could make out were the replacement subtitles (laughs) for the ones that were cut out. They really should have
0: done the replacement subtitles for the entire movie. For the whole thing. For sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. they really, really, really should have. And, um, you know, it's fine. The plot is not so complicated that you can't follow along, but there's definitely dialogue that's giving more context to what's happening that's hard to follow. Um, And this is still also at a time where subtitles were often the english subtitles were often written in a way where it didn't feel like the person writing them was an english speaker anyway so uh you're dealing with they're hard to read and then when you can read them sometimes you're trying to be like what does that mean exactly in the scene <laughs> i'm seeing I, it's kind of confusing you know um and and like i said it's very faded out it's uh you know, it's not easy to see what's with what the action that's going on. Um, uh, but you know, some of that sort of color palette stuff, people might actually enjoy that part. Cause sometimes people like a good washed out, <laughs> you know, older Kung Fu movie, um, knowing that the copy we watched of the next film we're going to discuss, which it, to my mind is really a different movie. <laughs> uh, that looked so good by comparison. I think it made me not like the way that this movie looked. It's so funny
0: because uh, we did watch, even though this is a very washed out print and the subtitles are an issue, it was still a widescreen screen. Version of the movie you know so you know We're we're seeing it in its original form As best as we possibly can But with, then we went and watched the Master with Cracked Fingers Version which has a lot of like public domain Ish prints out there that look really rough And are in full screen but we watched like a Really nice looking widescreen print of it And it was such a relief To watch that after having to Watch this particular version which is Again you sometimes have to it's Sometimes it's like watching it through Like, like cloth uh, because it's so faded out Uh, But let's stick with this movie for now. It has a very simplistic plot. Basically, Jackie Chan is fully formed as a fighter when this movie gets going. He's a waiter, but he's already been trained in martial arts. And the suggestion is that aside from like the masters of martial arts, like the mob boss and his uncle, he's better than everybody. And that's kind of a funny thing because in a lot of Jackie Chan uh, movies that will come in the late 70s, he starts with having maybe a little bit of skill, but the suggestion is... That at some point he's going to get his ass completely beaten, and someone's going to have to train him to get him to the level. And those training sequences ended up; uh, those training sequences end up being kind of a defining element of a lot of those movies. But here, he doesn't really need to be trained; he just needs to be let off his leash.
1: Yeah, he he. Um, but it's not always clear because when he is fighting, he's still fighting, and so. Uh, the subplot of he's not fighting at full strength because of, I don't know, guilt or something. It, it's just it, it's hard. And again, this is partly because there are sections of the film where you're missing dialogue. But it, you have to do a little bit of thinking to realize, sure. oh, this is why this is happening because it goes back and forth. He's kicking butt then he's not kicking butt that he is kicking butt then he's not kicking butt. And you have to be like, what is going? Why can't he just follow through? What's happening right now? And you really have to, like, catch that the dynamic with his uncle. Uh, the dynamic with the restaurant and what's going on, and even like what's at stake with these gangsters. You know, it's it takes a little bit of effort to like actually understand what's happening.
0: I have a question for you, Liam. Why does the food look so good in these old martial arts movies? It I, looks so I, I, good, man. These restaurants—they're just like literally, they're just like like pop-up restaurants on the side of the street. It should be complete garbage, but all of it looks so delicious, Liam. I want to eat all that martial arts food. Yum
1: yum. I don't actually understand what you're saying right now. Not because <laughs> not because it doesn't look good. I agree, it does look good. What I don't understand is why you would be confused by that. Uh, Chinese food, that's actual Chinese food, is amazing. Uh, in fact, what I love about Chinese food is that ripoff uh, Westernized Chinese food also good. It's one of the, <laughs> yeah, it's one of the few. It's one of the few <laughs> kinds of cuisine where the original and the knockoff. Both very, very good. <laughs> I mean, that's a very good point. Uh, so, there isn't a lot to say in terms
0: of the plot outside of that the, the conceit in this movie, which is that Jackie's character is continuously held back by his uncle, but his uncle also has a daughter, and her and Jackie have kind of a developing relationship as the movie goes on, and she actually gets a few fight scenes as well. In the movie. What did you think about that relationship? I'll be honest, Liam, at the very beginning I got a little confused because he kept talking his uncle in this movie, it's hard to tell if it's supposed to be his actual uncle or just like his adopted uncle after his father got killed.
1: I'm still confused by that. I still don't think I know if that's his uncle or you know what I mean? Like sure. I, I still am not a hundred percent like, okay, this is what's going on. Um uh, I, I liked having her there because um, it gives us a little bit of a gauge to his abilities like they have some sparring matches she goes against the gangsters a couple times so it, it at least puts us in a world where it's not just him in these epic fights we're actually seeing her too and you get a feeling of like okay this is where they're at um, and this is where he's at and, and all that kind of stuff I like that plus I just also like I you know I like female martial arts stars, and I and as a, I'm a big fan of Come Drink with Me. I'm a big sure. fan of some of those other films and uh, the Lady Dynamite and that sort of stuff. So, um, uh, I like seeing more of that here. Um, there's a couple of scenes where. Jackie is facing off against a lot of people, and I get that there's some sort of honor thing going on where he has to do it on his own. <laughs> I wish she jumped in more. Like I, I like them fighting together. I think that's cool, and I wish that happened more in the film.
0: It's. I think this is a good lead into the quality of the fights in this movie in general. Uh, I think a, a lot of martial arts fans or people who are getting into martial arts movies, they, if you start with a certain level of choreography, it can be hard to go back into things that are a little more simplistic or a little less acrobatic. And that was something that I had difficulty with uh, when I first got into the Shaw Brothers movies because those are much more theatrical. They're much more, they feel very stage bound because of the locations and that the choreography the difference between Golden Harvest movies of of the late seventies and Shaw Brothers movies of the late seventies. There's a very different style of choreography, uh, and and it was difficult for me to get used to it. I love both of them now, and really I love a lot of different kinds of uh, styles of choreography that you see in this movie. What did you think of the fights in this movie,
1: Leah? You know, you said choreography. I actually liked the choreography in this film, um, but I think it's important for us to say, it, you know, since we're going to be talking about a lot of martial arts. Uh, in, in in on this show, sure. When we say choreography, we don't just mean choreography. We mean editing and camera work as well. Absolutely, because the change is not just in the fighting. in a lot of these movies, they're doing the same things they're doing in other movies. The question is, how do you film it? How do you highlight it? What do you make a big deal out of? I found some of the editing in this film frustrating. It's mm-hmm. a style that is very much like we have one shot. We've got you could you could beat it out. It would be like. Hit, 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 hit. Cut. Hit, 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 hit. Cut. Hit, 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 hit. Cut. And that gets on my nerves. It is repetitive in the editing, and it's not always the best shot. And sometimes the cut, the camera cut, the backgrounds didn't make sense. Like you would be like, I really think they're in a entirely different place than they were in the last camera shot. Uh, little details like that, and and. It's not hugely distracting, but it was distracting enough. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't sitting there going, I'm going to analyze the editing in this movie. It was <laughs> as a viewer, not casual, but a slightly more uh, attentive viewer. I noticed the editing and I noticed that, you know, they were trying to be creative, right? Sometimes you would cut from a very mid shot that was showing a lot of the action to like behind a bush. Like there were literal shots of the fighting from behind f- uh, foil fo- foliage, foliage, foliage yep. Uh and I get that that's creative, but it's not actually cool. Uh, and I really didn't think the 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 shots of the fighting really took off until the very end climax fight. And some of the early fights, the editing was getting on my nerves a little bit. That uh, aside, the fighting itself was cool. It wasn't, like, super acrobatic, super over the top. There wasn't this, like, let's go crazy with it. But it was sure. good. And uh, – And it it did make me miss a little bit what we will eventually get with Jackie Chan, that humorous style that he brings to fights. But it wasn't bad. It was exciting and cool. And I think it did what I needed to do, which is also give us a little bit more of who these characters are and what they're doing. Uh, The problem for me... Other than the editing, it's just he fights a lot of the same people over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it starts to get a little bit like, what's the new element? And I think the final fight comes right at the right time. If there had been another fight before that fight, it, this movie just would have gotten tedious.
0: It There is a comedic character in this movie. There's like a thief that sort of works for the bad guys, but also is assisting Jackie Chan's character as the movie goes on. And then the big drama of that of the movie uh, comes in this last uh, last. Sequence which takes place on a dock Which is a big fight scene where Jackie Fights a whole bunch of guys and then he Eventually fights kind of the the, the uh, Grand mob boss guy But in the process of that the uh, the Thief is tied up to the mast of A ship and eventually gets dropped To his death which is supposed to be like kind of the big Dramatic moment and the thing that Kind of pushes Jackie to, to let Loose and show off all of his skills But there is something that is kind of Strange that happens in that final fight um, Which is that So, there are a few animals in this movie, and they don't know they're not necessarily treated well. Yeah, but in this final sequence, there's a moment where Jackie sees a monkey and just watches, just looks at the monkey and kind of plays with it for a second. And then during the final fight, he gets he sees the monkey again and gets the idea to use a monkey style of martial arts to fight this big baddie. Which is kind of confusing. It's never set up. He's never trained in this particular style. It's just like he sees the monkey and is just like, hey, I should fight like that. And we get a little bit of his kind of mad monkey style in that final fight.
1: It's so stupid. (laughs) It is. It is. Again, (laughs) the climactic fight is really cool. But they are building towards the idea that though he's relatively good, he cannot beat this guy. Exactly. This guy is – and they need to add another element in. And if you've watched enough of these movies, this is the most predictable – Dumb part of a lot of these movies where you're sure. like, okay, here it comes. But in this movie, it's a surprise because he hasn't trained anything else. In fact, we've yeah. gotten very little of him training. So the whole time I'm thinking, are they gonna bring the monkey in? Are they gonna do the monkey thing? Because he just saw the monkey for one second. And then what he ends up doing isn't even that much like what the monkey was doing. He's not even recreating the monkey moves that no. much. <laughs> it is so counting stupid. your
0: fist, you're so frustratedly <laughs> It's so stupid. It
1: is because what it is is a, a common trope that at that point had already become a cliche, but done poorly and mm. done in a way that is not to me. So I again, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a Shaw brothers slash Hong Kong film historian by any means, but this film was from 1971, right? Mm-hmm. came out in 73, but it's from 71. Yep. What that means is that it is not yet post King boxer. What I mean by that is after King Boxer, there was such a flood of films that were like, oh, my God, King Boxer made money in America. We could make money in America. And that's where I think you get some of the dumbest, most cliche, but also still kind of fun, uh, kung fu movies you could imagine. This is before that. This is just poor writing it's not there's a certain kind of poor writing uh slash silly gimmick in a kung fu movie that i watch and go trying to get that money trying to get that america money i, I hear you man <laughs> but in this film this guy really this was really someone thought yeah And then he he copies the monkey it's like not just a like a it wasn't someone who saw the uh deadly venoms movie and was like "Ooh, frog Ooh, sure. lizard i'm gonna do that no 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 this was someone's actual there was their good idea this is how they broke their script and that's it makes me mad i just like when that happened i thought there was not nearly enough to in a movie that is mostly meandering at yeah. any point we could have had more time with him and the monkey it would have
0: been, been, been so more... easy just to show him looking so at a monkey easy. earlier in the movie so and just kind of like imitate its movements a little bit just to set it up for the end
1: yeah, that's all you would have needed. Again, I'm not looking for high cinema here. We're not talking about a Bergman movie. I need him to play with a monkey. That's what I need. A uh, a uh, uh, 30 seconds of him playing <laughs> with a monkey. And it's that's uh, not what we it, get. It is and good it's, and
0: it's It is fun to watch Jackie Chan fight in that monkey style at the end. Sure. Uh, the yes,
1: 100%. Least. Yeah. It's just again, it's not on it's it's not a bad idea. I guess I'm making it sound like a terrible idea. It's not a bad idea. It's just executed so half Yes. acidly mm-hmm. that it just made me mad. I
0: think that's understandable. Now, the thing that I most did like about this movie, look, the conceit that the uncle is just stopping Jackie from fighting no matter what, doesn't matter if he's doing it to save his daughter, doesn't matter if he's saving his daughter's friend, he's just he does he his belief and this is a very common trope in kung fu movies is that he has taught him all the best martial arts, now never use them. <laughs> But at one point in the movie, after Jackie's gotten busted for fighting once too often, he does a pretty extreme punishment, Liam. He makes Jackie take his fists and drive them into a container filled with broken glass. Uh, I'm guessing that's where the the name Master with Cracked Fingers comes from. Now, you, you would think that this would injure him to the point where now he wouldn't be able to use his hands, but it actually is not something that... Even though he does wear bandages for a little bit, he heals up really quick. But he... Smashes his hands into broken glass, and then he's made to battle his female cousin, and in the process, she falls down and gets knocked unconscious. And the uncle basically just wags his finger and says, "Like that'll show ya." What did you think of that sequence?
1: It's stupid. It's it's. It was... <laughs> I mean, okay, I, I'm being unfair. It's uh, a. I think there's not enough of the uncle story to justify why he's so against jackie chan fighting sure you know that, that we needed a little more to understand why he's in this place to get the pain because right now he just seems like a jerk <laughs> he yeah. just seems like a, a drinking guy and then the only reason to be against fighting right is because you're against people getting hurt i would think but she gets hurt and he's like oh, now you'll learn That's that'll teach you that doesn't make sense. I've never understood that. That's like the when a kid burns his hand, you're like, "That'll learn yet." Like, no, no, come on. I mean, she again. It I guess it'd be different if it was a more of a minor injury, but she's sure she's in, she's in bed for a little bit. You yeah, know? She, she didn't just twist her ankle here, you know. So it, it was weird. Uh, you know that I did like that. There's a part of it I like because it's more him fighting her, you know, and that was yeah, kind of fun. That's kind of unique, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. uh, but, no, the whole thing just made the uncle seem like a monster. The uncle really seems terrible until the end when he finally gives in. And and they have the most extended shot of him yelling fight you've ever seen. It's just so <laughs> irrational. He's just, Faa! It just goes on, you know, but it's, it's, it's also kind of cool.
0: I like how, uh, up, leading up to that point, every time Jackie Chan was in a situation where he should be, like, pushed into action, they'd give, like, a close-up of his fist clenching. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, should I?" Yeah, exactly. We should
1: have we should have actually taken that moment and put it with the <laughs> Arthur thing and just made that a meme.
0: Uh, this movie does have some exploitative elements in it outside of just punching glass. There is some uh, topless nudity during a rape scene, which is really unpleasant. But it is a moment where Jackie is so he's a waiter and he is <laughs> part of the way that these bad guys get him. Uh, in vulnerable situations is they order food and get him to bring them the food and then try to beat the shit out of him. But at this point in the movie, he has like rat poison or something. Do you remember what I'm talking about here? He He he...
1: says it's rat poison. Yeah. We have no confirmation. He might have just been lying so they didn't take the noodles. Exactly. Um, The whole thing is weird because um, in that whole scene, it's unclear if they remember who he is. Yeah, exactly,
0: yeah. They don't, they don't seem, even though this is right after a moment where they've already fought him, uh, he's walking by. They are just going to let him go, and they, don't want, they want him to not get involved because he can hear screams from upstairs where his uh, adopted cousin's best friend is getting raped at that moment.
1: You could make the argument that any sexual violence in a movie might not be justified. Right. I, I think that's a little extreme, but you could say that. But this is entirely unjustified. It's not just... I would say not even just the sexual violence. The entire sequence is unjustified. It's not needed for the plot. Nothing new happens. He doesn't need to fight them. He's already fought them. Honestly, there's really only one plot thing that this establishes, which is that even stopping a rape is not enough for his uncle to approve of his violence. Right. That's the only accomplishment other than, I guess, also the flunky thief guy. This is the moment where he's really like, maybe all my friends are assholes <laughs> like that. That's the other plot moment. But, you know, they could have done that some other way. It's, it, it really only really establishes that his uncle is actually a monster.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, that and, and the whole part where he makes him fight his daughter.
1: <laughs> uh, that part is bad, but this is even worse in my mind.
0: Uh, I do want to say So we mentioned that the final uh, fight sequence Is really the best of the entire movie You really do get kind of flashes Of the kind of fighting that you would see In later Jackie Chan movies Where it's a little bit more intense But also the bad guy in this movie The, the mob boss that killed Jackie Chan's father He has a special kick That poisons the person That gets kicked by it Yeah I love death, that kind of death, stuff I Death, mean, death kick yeah, he's got a death kick, and yeah. uh, and at one point uh, the the uncle gets kicked by that, but he I guess he is able to deflect it slightly so it doesn't absolutely kill him. But he does have to lay in bed for a while, recovering to get the poison out or something like that. I know that these are again really cliched kung fu movie things, but I I love that shit. I really I really enjoy seeing it in a movie. But it just kind of also. The, the coincidence that this mob boss And all of his flunkies Are the people that are Just have happened to Get on the bad side of this waiter Who is the son of the person he killed I mean it's just this massive coincidence But at least it means that It wraps up really quickly Just like most Kung Fu movies Of this time period Where he defeats the bad guy And the movie's over And it's just like Let's get the hell out of here As quickly as possible
1: hey. I like that. That is actually my favorite part of these sorts of movies: is the utter lack of denouement. You know, just the all right, and the fight's over. Movie's <laughs> over. Bye. Like, I'm like kind of into that. Uh,
0: so let's get some final thoughts on this movie before we just talk briefly about Jackie himself. So this is a very by the numbers kung fu movie you get the impression a little bit that they're making up the plot as they go along and probably making up some of the fights as they go along as well it is very low budget there isn't a lot of production value on display but there are flashes of interesting things as you go through the movie
1: yeah i it's serviceable um it's not what i like i said we're a little tainted by the amazing production value that he has later in his life yes as far as this sort of kung fu movie it's a little loosey-goosey uh i think you can find movies of the same budget level that are a little more compelling and what they tend to do when they're more compelling is get weirder this movie doesn't have any craziness you know it doesn't have those moments where someone's like well, this poll has four types, you know? Like there's no weird. We don't even, we don't even or... get a
0: lot of like recognizable music, which sometimes happens in these movies. Right. We do get the Popeye the Sailor Man theme at one point, because they that seems to be in like half the 1970s Kung Fu movies you see. But you're you're right. It doesn't have those those kind of odd um uh, those kind of those really unique odd moments that you would only find in low budget martial arts movies.
1: And that's fine. I'm not saying it needs, it has to have those things. That's not the point for me at all. But I do think that um, that it makes it slightly less engaging. I think it would be a little bit better um, if, it had, if it had more of that stuff. That being said, I, I was amused. I, I wasn't bored by it.
0: The weird thing is that in a few moments, we're going to talk about this movie being torn apart, having a bunch of sequences added to it that had no connection to the plot, a person basically wearing a mask to hide the fact that they're not Jackie Chan, all this ridiculous manipulation, and somehow the movie ends up better because of it. We're going to talk about that with Master with Cracked Fingers, but before we do that, let's talk about Jackie Chan in this movie. Is Jackie Chan a star? 17-year-old Jackie Chan in 1971. Do you see star power in him?
1: I actually do. It doesn't matter that the movie is quite honestly not great. It just isn't great. Sure. Uh, doesn't matter. I really think he shines in this film. He, he's baby-faced, he's young, but he definitely has, in my mind, what it takes. He does look a
0: little different in this movie. Did you right. notice that, Liam?
1: I assume that just was his age, right? No
0: part of, part of it was his age. There is a notorious rumor, I'm not sure if it was actually confirmed, that he got surgery on his eyes uh, in the mid-1970s to make them look more Western. And I think when you see him in this movie It sort of does confirm that He does look, in terms of his facial features They do look pretty different Then again, this is a guy who gets his ass beat A thousand times in every movie uh, And has went through more injuries than, than almost any person on Earth Which of course could change your look a little bit as well
1: Yeah huh. but
0: It is, I mean he does have a, a, a different look in this But like you said, he's 17 year, years old When I was 17, I mean, I was playing Goldeneye on Nintendo 64. I wasn't really thinking about my martial arts movie career.
1: Which you should have been. You know, it's yeah. one of your great failures.
0: I, just, just one of many, Liam. Uh, yeah. I, I Like yourself, there is something here with Jackie. I always have felt that the story, the kind of reported story of Jackie Chan's career, which is that, you know, he was a stuntman. He got handpicked to be Bruce Lee's successor. They tried to put him in Bruce Lee style movies like New Fist of Fury. They failed terribly, and then he was loaned to this other studio to do this comedic stuff, and that hit huge, and then he became this international superstar. I don't think that his real story is as clean as that. I think that people recognize potential in him right from the beginning. I mean, the very fact that, you know, even in 1973, Sammo Hung was getting, you know, feature parts in, like, he appears. In a fight scene with Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon It seems like the connection between The Seven Little Fortunes crew Would mean that he was going to find success Almost no matter what But uh, it is interesting to see him at this point in his career Where he is not fully formed That the comedic Even though he does kind of have that glint in his eye And there's a little bit of comedy with his character here That he's still presented as a very serious character But this is obviously a movie meant to make him the star he is the center of it. He's the guy who's supposed to be better than anyone else. And eventually he gets to show that off.
1: I think that's fair. I think this is, this maybe wasn't the jumping off point that people would have expected it to be. But I think it's, it it, it is definitely evidence of his future stardom.
0: Agreed. So speaking of that stardom, once that stardom hit, they took this movie, which I mean, basically had this minor release in 1973 and uh, it was turned into something else entirely. It's Master with Cracked Fingers, AKA Snake Fist Fighter from 1979. Let's talk about that right after this.
1: Money. (laughs) Hey kid, I think you're too tired. I won't take advantage, but if you've got the guts, you come to Green Valley tomorrow. Mud and water can confuse.
0: So after Jackie Chan had become famous through films like Snake and the Eagle's Shadow and Drunken Master in the late 1970s, footage from Little Tiger of Canton, a.k.a. the Cub Tiger from Canton, which we were just talking about, was re-edited and more footage was added from uh, Drunken Master era uh, uh, Yun su uh who uh, you might know as Sam Seed from Drunken Master. He basically was the, the trainer character that we saw in a few of those movies that Jackie Chan was in, in the late 70s, as well as uh, Dean Sheck, uh, who was in a lot of the Golden Harvest movies in the late 70s as well. These bits were tacked on, and we actually have a Jackie Chan double who fights in uh, at the end of the movie wearing a blindfold, because it is set up that he trains with a blindfold throughout the movie. Master with Cracked Fingers, as you uh, referred to in the last segment, Liam, is really an entirely different movie. It only uses about uh, half of its running time uses footage from... Uh, Little Tiger of Canton And is instead It has concocted a whole new plot And in some ways it's kind of impressive How they do it Even though the plot as a whole Doesn't fit together uh, Because you have this The Sam C character You have this old beggar trainer character Who just He pops up in the background So they'll they'll have a sequence Using footage from the original film And then they'll cut in him Like looking from behind a bush As if he's just watching What's going on But a lot of the uncle character from the original film, he's been removed almost entirely. The uh, cousin female character has been removed. We have a whole sequence now of Jackie Chan's character growing up and being trained as he goes along. The idea is now no longer that his uncle is the one that that gave him all these abilities. That basically he's been brought to the woods by this old beggar and told to strip naked (laughs) and taught all of these martial arts. Yeah, this does happen in the movie. Um but the weird thing about it is in some ways it's more comprehensible than the original movie. <laughs> Liam, what did you think of Master with Cracked Fingers?
1: It- <clears throat> I was disappointed that the old beggar wasn't a ghost. <laughs> He's so, he almost never interacts with people. So that at the end, they'd be like, I was never really here. That would have been totally fine. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I wouldn't say it. it isn't more of a mess than the first one. It is a mess. It is clearly three films edited together. Jackie Chan slash his double. The hair doesn't match in multiple times he has one haircut and then in the next scene (laughs) has different length of hair. That alone is one of the continuity issues. However, because the original story is such um, it's so light and so loose. It's a lot easier to add in a bunch of footage and complicate yeah. things where it mm-hmm. becomes about the different styles. It becomes about an old master who now has returned and, and the, you know, the uncle just survived and all this stuff like that. It, it all, it adds in a bunch of layers. Now, I will say one of the things they leave in is the uncomfortable rape scene, which is as unnecessary in this film as it is in the other movie. And at this point,
0: we no longer have the relationship of the person being raped to the daughter, like the friend. It's just a random person.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's just yelling. Um, All that stuff, you know. That's that's kind of uh, not great. But uh, you, because the, this is why it succeeds, right? The plot moves faster with this edit. It does it has less meandering stuff that is unnecessary and the fighting is more compelling and the reality with a martial arts film is if the fighting is interesting and compelling enough you don't have time to sit and go why do i care about any of these characters like why do why does this matter it it doesn't matter and that doesn't matter you know like it's it's it moves along you know okay, crazy man in the woods is training him and he's becoming better and then it's going to culminate in this fight. That's really all you need to know. I mean, you don't really need much more. It's it's really because the original is so much more meandering that you have time to think that it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, This film, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I just don't particularly care. It's entertaining.
0: It's also a case where you would never... It, it, it's funny to think that there might be audiences who saw this movie because... Master with Cracked Fingers is much, much easier to find Than the original film And in fact, there's a long time that the original film wasn't available at all So this was the only way to see it But watching it You must have known something was going on That that when you see jackie chan's character interact with this beggar character that you never see his face that you only ever see him from behind that there's a whole sequence in like a gambling bar where uh ja- jackie is basically said told to just go home so they can have a whole sequence between dean shack and yoon su tin where they just have uh, uh their own little interaction and it's a big lengthy comedy scene i also don't really understand how the landlord character connects to the gangster character, or like the big baddie in the movie, like like how their relationship makes sense, that they would end up all in the same place at the end. You also have kind of a larger Samuel Hung-looking character in this movie, a guy, uh, I don't know who that actor is, but he shows up in a lot of martial arts movies from that time period as well. But like you were saying, it it's very loose. The original plot was really loose, but this is is in some ways even looser. But because we know the character from Drunken Master... ...from Snake in the Eagle's Shadow... ...that you know this beggar character already... And, ...and anyone who's familiar with martial arts movies from that time... ...know the archetype... ...it's really easy just to fill in the blanks yourself... ...it's just like, oh, he's training him... ...he you know brings him to the woods... ...from, a, from the... Uh, ...when he was a little kid... ...and has trained him up to adulthood... ...and that's who he is... ...but now that they've removed the uncle part... The fact that the daughter still knows Kung Fu In a couple of sequences Doesn't make any sense at all anymore Not at all. <laughs> who, who taught her martial arts <laughs> uh, I, I do like the fact that it's so blatant Right from the beginning There's a suggestion that you can Put on a blindfold And uh, if you really focus your chi or whatever That you're able to know what's going on That you can fight with a blindfold on And still win And that is something that's introduced With these new sequences Simply, entirely, so they can have a double in the final fight, put on a blindfold so we can't tell that it's not Jackie Chan. That it's just some guy with a slightly similar hairstyle wearing a blindfold. And all that said, I think that fight is the best fight in the entire movie.
1: Oh, yeah. It definitely culminates. The reality is, for a lot of these films, especially when you've watched them enough, when it gets weird is the best part. And that fight is weird. It's yeah. it it does weird things. It makes strange choices. and that's fun and interesting. it's it's not realistic. and that's great, you know, like I, I think there's something about it that's very appealing and I found very fun.
0: It's also interesting that they still have the um the thief character who gets killed by the docs. But they have now changed it, so his uncle also dies. Uh, Before the end of the movie And that's interesting right? To to basically take this character That now has even less depth Than in the original film And just totally kill him off As more motivation for him In this final fight uh, Just made up from whole cloth Uh, In some ways it's impressive You know, we think about movies That have been re-edited in this fashion And the one that probably comes to mind Immediately is Game of Death, right? Uh, Where they, they... Bruce Lee died before he finished the production, so they use some doubling. They use uh, a, a really terrible-looking mirror shot in the movie. If anyone has ever seen that, they'll know what I'm talking about. And they had to add that footage to complete the movie. But that's not really what's going on here. That movie, I mean, Game of Death wasn't exactly completed as to Bruce Lee's wishes, and there are lots of other movies that use Game of Death's footage where they did doubling in, in a really exploitative way, and they use footage from his funeral and stuff like that but here they basically saw a movie that wasn't very good they got they basically godfrey hoed it right they they saw a movie that wasn't good they shot new footage to make the movie that wasn't very good better even if it made even less sense after adding that footage right but yeah it's
1: better (laughs) yeah i mean that's that's sort of the thing right that's sort of what makes normally i you know part of me is like you know I don't, we don't need to talk about this. Movie. You know what I mean? Like sure, we talked about the original, this is the cheap knockoff, whatever. But actually if someone said, I prefer this movie, this is how I got into this, whatever, mm-hmm. that's fine. That makes sense. It's, it's a serviceable uh, film for what it is. And it is to me a lot more engaging than the original.
0: It's, it's also one of those stories that, that are really representative of The kung fu industry of the mid to late 1970s, which is if we have something, we'll try to make more of it. And even if we can't make more of it, we'll find a way to make more of it anyway. Bruce Lee's dead. Well, we'll make another Bruce Lee. Jackie Chan is not available or he's a big star now. We'll come up with another Jackie Chan. And in fact, uh, I was looking for who... I was looking online for who doubles Jackie Chan in this movie. And apparently it's Johnny Chan, who is the star of uh, Revenge of the Drunken Master, which also features uh, Yun Su-Tin. Now, by the way, so so the Sam Seed beggar character played by Yun Su-Tin in this movie and in Drunken Master, he's actually in real life as the father of, of Yun Wu-Ping, who, of course, got this massive injection of popularity due to the international success of Drunken Master. But, like, he wasn't... A Jackie Chan star so right before his death he's in like like a dozen movies all playing this exact same character including something like this which is just a, a way to capitalize on Jackie Chan's popularity as well as a movie like Revenge of the Drunken Master which is like an unofficial sequel to a movie that he was in it's just amazing that this industry uh, at the time it it's so much more I mean, exploitative might be the, the word to use, and in a lot of ways it was, but it's also very much it's it people capitalizing on every opportunity that was available.
1: I can't decide if I respect it or I hate it. Like,
0: I know, right? It's really part, hard.
1: Part of me respects it in the sense of uh, – you know, we're trying to get by with what we can and, and, and none of these movies were huge cash ins like sure. you, you know what I mean like the Revenge of Drunken Master wasn't like making 50 million dollars you know what I mean so part of me is kind of like well you know they're doing what they can whatever whatever but the seeds of this sort of entrepreneurial filmmaking that's like, look, <laughs> just cut it all together and we'll make the money we can is now coming back to bite us with questions around like, what if I just digitally reproduce this actor who's long dead and sure. make a full movie with them? That's fine, right? And, you know, there are people who are straight up like, Yeah, what's the problem? Why would that even be a question? And then there are <laughs> other people who I would call humans who say, No, that's horrible
0: <laughs> It's I've always feel really felt really conflicted about the Bruce Plotation Genre in general, um, and all the Bruce Lee ripoffs. But that said, a lot of those movies are really entertaining and some of them are good in their own right. I don't know if you've ever seen Game of Death 2, but Game of Death 2 is basically like a full fledged Golden Harvest production and it gets all sci fi weirdness. There's tons of great choreography. I mean, that movie is fun as hell. Uh, And a lot of like the Bruce Lai movies, like they're, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch, but the motivation behind them is so, um, Entrepreneurial, I guess is the word, but also just like such an obvious cash in. That, uh, that it it's it does kind of ring out in the back of your mind it's like what I'm watching this probably shouldn't exist hey but it already exists so I might as well enjoy it I guess I, I, mean, I,
1: I, yeah. I I'm not an expert enough in cultural analysis to know if we're just being too Western yeah that I think the that West, there's a real we have element this idea to that. of like art and artists and uh, you know, auteurs and whatever the hell else that we're like no you're disrespecting or that instead of just saying like hey, Everyone likes a green hat, so I'm going to make my own green hat. Sure. Well, you're just ripping off the first green hat. Yeah. And why? Why does that? Why? Why would that possibly matter? Uh, how? How could that matter? I. Uh, you know. It, is is sesame chicken? Is kung pao or uh uh um uh, what is it uh general tao? Yeah. Is general sauce chicken just sesame chicken with sweeter sauce? Yeah. It's the same day. There's no difference. I don't know which came first. One is obviously the same thing as the other one who cares um so so you know there's some part of me that's like people are going to survive and th- there is a bias i have right that i think is understandable which is that um none of the people doing this ripoff work right are making a lot of money right that actually none of these cat. it's not like uh if 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 Avengers Endgame had ripped off Darkman, there is a part of me that's like, well, that's not fair. Darkman didn't make that much money, and Avengers Endgame made all the money. You know, Bruce Lee was a cultural phenomenon. How could it not influence people? However, on the other hand, the simple base reality is that a lot of these people were actual thieves. That, like, as much as I kind of want to be not so precious about the original, they were actual con artists. They weren't just... Not like me, you know what I mean. The, the
0: Bruce Lee is, examples in particular can be really distasteful because some of them are really disrespectful to him, right? right. They, they'll right. kill him off in embarrassing ways, or they'll 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 try to present themselves as actually being a Bruce Lee movie because, especially the ones that were re-edited for the West and things like that. People who are like, well, we don't know how many movies Bruce Lee made, so if you put Bruce Lee or a guy who looks like him on the uh, cover. And then they actually use maybe a little bit of footage from Fist of Fury or something like that in it. Then you can present it as a Bruce Lee movie. This—that's sort of what's happening here. Except really, since people had not seen the original Jackie Chan movie, it's—it's it's hard to think of it as 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 equal a level of being ripped off because people, hey, you came to see a Jackie Chan movie. This is a Jackie Chan movie. Has a lot of footage you haven't seen of Jackie Chan looking a little different, looking a little younger. But I mean, that's not that unusual either to see like re-releases of earlier films just like when they in the uh, when they released project a2 as project a1 here <laughs> in the United States and and I mean that sort of kind of chronological confusion yeah the weird thing out that that I'm taking away from this is somehow what could easily be interpreted as a very cynical cash grab ends up being a more fun and more enjoyable movie than the movie it's grabbing from
1: that's fine. <laughs> I, I would be lying if I didn't think that there were other films that could use this. You know what I mean? Like, I can, I, I, I'm sure there are, for example, a few Godzilla movies that have just too much exposition. And if you just cut the monster stuff in with other monster stuff, you'd have a better movie.
0: I mean, I think that's fair. Do you have any final thoughts on Master with Cracked Fingers?
1: I understand why I've heard of this movie, and I haven't heard of the other one. That's it.
0: <laughs> uh, both of these films uh, Actually, Cup Tiger from Kwantung Is a little bit hard to find Even still, it only has that DVD release It isn't uh, streaming a lot of locations uh, So yeah, Master with Cracked Fingers There's lots of different versions available out there I think you can watch it on Amazon Prime But uh, I would recommend that if you can find The widescreen version that you do so uh, The the commonly available uh, budget DVD version of this looks pretty rough compared to the version that you and I
1: watched. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to watch. I tried to watch that one first, and I switched to the widescreen immediately. Yeah, yeah. So, Master with cracked fingers somehow <laughs> recommended here on the
0: very first episode of We Do Our Own Stunts. On the next episode, Liam, we're moving on in the career of Jackie Chan with 1974's The Golden Lotus, a film I have never seen before, but is notorious for being a Jackie Chan. Sex movie Maybe even a softcore porn movie That's what it's usually described as Yeah, 1974's The Golden Lotus We'll feature that on the Second uh, episode of We Do Our Own Stunts coming soon To Cinema Smorgasbord Liam, if people want to check out more about the podcast What's the best way for them to do so?
1: Well, they could go to uh, uh They can also find us as part of the CinePunks network, uh, where we are featured with a number of great shows that mm-hmm. they should give some time to. Uh, and if they want to follow us on Twitter, it's cinemasmorg, uh, S-M-O-R-G.
0: And you can find all the latest info over there on Twitter, Uh, And uh, again if you want to contact us You'll be able to do that through the cinemasmorgasbord.com Site as well You can also follow Liam and myself on Twitter Liam where are you available there What's your name on there again
1: Liam Rules R-U-L-Z
0: R-U-L-Z we'll link that on the website as well And you can of course find me I'm Doug underscore Tilly That's T-I-L-L E-Y And yeah, you can check out Cinema Smorgasbord We uh, are an amalgam of different podcasts Including uh, ones focused on actors such as Steve Buscemi uh, Vic Diaz Of course Jackie Chan Which you've just been listening to We have a podcast coming up We of course are bringing back Eric Roberts is the fucking man Our beloved podcast about the uh, life and work of actor Eric Roberts And so much more If you want to check out our lineup of what's to come Or what has happened Go over to cinema smorgasbord.com. Liam that's all the that Jackie Chan I can handle for this day. We'll be back really soon with another Jackie Chan classic. Good night, everybody.
1: Night. Are you ready? Action! Camera!